Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several of my friends this morning. From Nodes to Nessie is the best. Mario, the Node Defender, is joining us. And today's an amazing day because we have both the Crypto Goliaths on this beautiful Tuesday morning. The XRPL whale and potential competitor of Kathy Woods, Jackie, the junior Goliath, is ready to roll on this Tuesday. And of course, we brought out the big guns this morning. We have a UFC participant, an ultimate fan of crypto, Gonzo, the OG <laughs> Crypto Goliath. Welcome in. Always happy to have you. So today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing as inflation reaches a 40-year high, we tell you what this means for the crypto markets going forward. Bitcoin ATMs are popping up all over the globe. Is this a sign for new utility and adoption? Cardano wallet surge as over 90% of ADA wallets have been created in the last 15 months. We bring that to you guys. NASDAQ conducts a survey revealing that financial advisors are increasingly more comfortable with crypto exposure. What we can expect from banks and institutions going forward and how this will create stability in crypto. Is crypto a safe haven for corruption? The IMF believes so. We break down the flaws in their argument. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So on this beautiful Tuesday, we've got the Goliaths in the building. So I'd love to do some introductions. We'll start off with Gonzo. Good morning and happy Tuesday, bro. What's up, Abs? <laughs> happy to be here with you guys. Um, I always love when we're all together because we we're all such, we were just talking about this, such high vibration people. And so I feel it just coming through the, the screen. So I, lo I love that. But uh, happy to be here. And for those of you that joined us this morning, thank you for the support. Yes. Thank you to all of our listeners. And we'll go to the junior Goliath next. Good morning, Jackie. How you feeling? Good morning. I feel great today. I don't know. It's, it's just a Tuesday. I'm trying to think of what's going on today. But for some reason, I woke up really happy. You know what's going on today? Good morning, crypto's going on, Jackie. You're glowing, though. I, I do think you're glowing. So you look amazing. We're very excited to have you. Mario, good morning, brother. How are the nodes doing? I mean, I think the nodes are not doing so well, but Tuesday is the, it, it's Martes. And like Water says, it's the day of Mars. That's why we're feeling amazing. And dude, you killed that intro, man. Like, it, it, I'm not going to lie. It's getting really hard to really come up with like creative intro for everybody, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's well worth the time that we, it's well worth the five hours it takes us to, to come up with those, uh, with those cool stories. Yeah. And that reminds me, Mario, it wouldn't be a Gonzo podcast if we didn't give a shout out to Shelly. So, Shelly, Good morning and happy Tuesday to you as well. Sending love and high vibrations. But we're going to hop into the same way we always do with the Good Morning Crypto channel where at 3TGM Crypto, you get access to all of us from me to Jackie to Gonzo. The whole group is here. And of course, we're closing in on 500 followers. So that's really exciting. Maybe we'll do some sort of a giveaway like 500 Shiba Inu to stack some bags. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we have, we're getting into the extreme fear range this morning. The fear and greed index is showing a really, really low 20. Yesterday, we were at a 32, and we saw a lot of bearish price action. I'd like to kick it to Gonzo and maybe get some comments on what you're looking at this morning. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about this on our call yesterday and uh, looking at what levels of support, Bitcoin. And, and we, we talked about, hey, people not panicking, that as long as we hold the 38,000 level, that we're good structurally. 
and that's kind of what we did. Uh, Johnny K is always talking about this, right? The, the more that we get into that extreme fear, that's when you should start paying attention. If, and if there are cryptos that you that you've done the research on and that um, that you really like and that you believe in, in the technology or what they're trying to solve, then it's a good time to dollar cost average. If you look, a lot of these alts have you know pulled back, you know, seven, eight, ten percent. Um, and so those are the times you want to get in because we know that we're going to get a rebound, right? Um, as we get to Saturday, I think Saturday is the 16th, so we get a full moon. So uh, usually we get the microcycle low, and that's kind of what we're seeing, I think. And JV has really been talking a lot about how on April 15th, we could see the bottom of the market. So it's interesting to see you reiterate a lot of those same thoughts. But it's like Johnny Crypto always says, we call this extreme fear range the possible buying opportunity. And when we get up here, this is a possible execution of our exit strategy. So we're going to take you guys into the market and see some projects that maybe you should be watching this morning. So we are sitting at $1.88 trillion in global market cap. We've got Bitcoin sitting just below 41% dominance. Ethereum is at 20%. Bitcoin is sitting at $40,300 this morning. Ethereum is barely holding that three grand mark. We have Solano at 107. XRP at 71 cents, people. This is going to be looked at as a possible time for accumulation. 71 cent XRP in 2022. It's almost unbelievable. Cardano is black below a dollar. Avalanche is 78 bucks. Kronos is 42 cents. Cosmos, $25. And we have Stellar still below that 20 cent mark as HBAR just breaks above that 20 cent mark. So I'd love to kick it to Jackie here. Is there anything that you're watching in the market this morning? Um, one thing that I've been, I mean, while we've been on this pullback, one thing that I've been watching um, a little bit recently is, is that GST and GMT tokens, man, those things have gone nuts. And that was a project that we talked about here on our live stream, that Solana um, NFT project step in. So that, you know, that's kind of cool to see something when we talk to our community about and, you know, out of all the rest of the market, um, I think GMT is the one that's up out of all the rest of the market. That was, that was a coin that kind of struck gold. So that's, that's kind of unique. I've been watching that price action and kind of just seeing some things I want to jump into. We got a nice little message from our, our technical analyst, Salman. We love him yesterday saying, Hey guys, I don't care what you buy. Just buy. <laughs> he's like, now's a good time to buy coins. <laughs> and I think he's right. And it's like Gonzo just reiterated, we're seeing a lot of these coins pull back 7 10% on the daily. So is there anything that you're accumulating or watching right now, Gonzo? Uh, you know what? I've been paying attention to ETH. Uh, what I was going to say is it's funny because yesterday there were a lot of people that day trade that were talking about setting up longs, right? As, as we got down to like that 38.2, 38.5, I think the RSI showed uh, we were below 30. I think it was 20-something. So a lot of people set up trades. I don't day trade, but I know a lot of people were talking about it. Uh, but I've been looking at ETH. You know, as we get closer to the merge and that narrative about energy efficiency kicks in and the more research I do on Ethereum, anytime that we go below 3,000 and we hit that 29, then uh, I'm accumulating ETH. And on a macro time frame, ETH has just continued to print higher and higher lows, but I'd like to go to the Node Defender. Is there any projects you're watching this morning, maybe even Node projects in particular? Yeah, so the Node projects in general, they're down a lot from, from their high and they've kind of been on a downtrend since January. Um, so it's certainly a good time to get into some of those, especially if you're looking to create passive income, there's certainly a lot of them that have really good fund fundamentals and they're at amazing price, price point entries. I mean, compared to how they were, uh, a few months ago. Um, but yeah, the market had a really nice, 
and I, I say nice, it might not have been nice to some people, but you know, it's, it's good to have these pullbacks. You know, if we look, if we look back a month ago, we were sitting at $37,700. And so the market just went up 10, $10,000, essentially, we reached the 40, almost 48, uh, probably 48 in some exchanges. So $10,000, it went up $10,000 in the space of like two weeks. So it's, it's good to see this pullback. It just kind of acts like a back test, um, sort of like a spring effect. I'm not a big, very big technical analyst, but that's the way that I interpret it. And I always see that this thing, this movement is healthy for the market. What I did hear from a couple of analysts is that we're potentially seeing a bullish divergence with the RSI. So it would be awesome if maybe Jackie or Gonzo could could talk about that. I don't know if they know about that. So I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I did hear a few analysts. I did hear a few analysts just show how the the for the last couple of weeks the price has kind of been uh, the the price has been going down while the RSI is increasing. I think is that what the bullish divergence is? Yeah, that's basically yeah. RSI goes up while price action goes down. That's a bullish divergence. And so um, um, Bitcoin going down to because uh, before i think we had like a bearish divergence but i think it cleared out once we got down to oversold it kind of we needed that because we needed it to clear out so uh, mm -hmm. i haven't looked at it recently but yeah if that's what's going and and i could i could mentally see that because like i said yesterday as guys were talking about putting in long positions we were way oversold so you could see that rsr i could see where it could start going up yeah, totally. And I'd love to give a shout out to two of our guests that are coming on later this week. The Phoenix, they're both involved in the Phoenix project I pulled up on the screen, but we have Showtime coming on Wednesday and we have Jordan Harry making an appearance on Friday. So shout out to all of our listeners who are excited for that. We're going to keep bringing those guests because we got a bunch of positive responses and I loved having them on. So it was awesome. We have a very great clip to show you guys where Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger and Bill Gates all make bold, incorrect claims on Bitcoin. So let's let this thing play and then we'll get some comments from the group. Bitcoin is worthless artificial gold. I think I should say modestly that I think the whole damn development is disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization. This is just a beanie baby that runs on coal. And I, I, I agree. I would, I would short it if there was an easy way to do it. Boom. Bill Gates is shorting Bitcoin. What a miracle. <laughs> I'd like to go to Gonzo next. Gonzo, what are some of your thoughts on these big guys making all these statements against Bitcoin in the past? And what we talk about every day on our channel is more and more Bitcoin billionaires starting to publicly adopt this stuff and be comfortable with crypto assets as a whole. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Coach is always talking about this. Uh, don't do as they say, do as they do, right? And if you talk, like Warren Buffett's one of them where he's talking smack about um, Bitcoin. But if you look and you go deep down into what his investments are, and uh, I forget the name of the bank that he's invested in, right? Uh, that has ties to digital currency, right? So they're, they're talking one way out of their mouth, but they're actually doing something else. And so uh, like Coach always says, uh, don't say, you know, don't follow what they say, do what they do, right? And follow their money because they're investing in companies that are invested uh, in cryptocurrency. So don't get it twisted. Exactly. And just because Warren Buffett, as an example, isn't going directly to Bitcoin for exposure, he's betting on Bank of America being successful. And Bank of America has, I think, the most crypto patents in the whole industry. Welcome back, Jackie. We lost you for a second. <laughs> I was getting nervous in the private chat. I'm like, did we lose Jackie? But we'll kick it to you. I want to hear some of your comments on Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, and Charlie Munger all criticizing Bitcoin in the past. And now we're seeing them publicly adopt it now. So what are some of your thoughts? 
My thoughts are they're getting close to their bags being full. <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah, sorry about that. Um, initially, I touched my screen. There was something on my screen. I forgot my, my laptop is touch screen and it just totally kicked me out but my, <laughs> that's all good i like sometimes i forget. live tv <laughs> she's uh she's a technical analyst not a technical uh uh technician right <laughs> or expert right. that's so true that is so true guys you wouldn't believe um my common sense with technology is absolutely horrible but my thoughts on this article um yeah that's honestly that's what i think we see that with I mean, we saw that with JP Morgan. We saw that with everybody. All these, all these big banks, big institutions. You know, they were so against it while they were filling their bags, not letting their employees invest even into cryptocurrencies. Have to report everything. You know, they have to report everything they're invested in. They're not allowed to invest in crypto. Um, I have a couple of family members that are involved in, you know, financial institutions, banks, whatever, and and that lot of friends too and that's the case you know and then while while all these ceos and cfos of these big institutions are filling their bags so that's just i mean that's what i totally believe now now that they're kind of set in a range where they're comfortable um after accumulating for their own you know for their own piece of the pie now you know now red they're ready to open the floodgates and just pack their bags so they can dump on the rest of us a hundred percent. It's like Coach JV always says. But what I thought was so interesting about Warren Buffett's statement is he goes, it's worthless artificial gold. Well, it may be artificial gold, but it's definitely not worthless because it's going for $40,000 even on a pullback right now. So we'll kick it to the node defender here. What are some of your thoughts? Well, my thought again is that the, the hypocrisy because we know that Warren Buffett is tied to a bank. And we've spoken, spoken about this in the academy. And shout out to Justin in the chat for bringing this up. Um, there's a bank in Brazil, in Brazil called Nubank and That's he's what it was, invested. Yeah. yeah. And he's invested in that bank and that bank offers cryptocurrency related services to it, to its clients. And, and it's funny because the other day, you know, I was at the barber and, uh, and, and, uh, my barber is, is invested in crypto for, for a few years. And so every time he sees me, because he knows that, you know, I'm involved in crypto, he said, Hey man, so how's crypto going? Like, good, good. And then the the other person next on, on the chair next to us started asking some questions. They were like, "Oh, but you know, those things are not really going anywhere." You know, the the typical minds, the typical thought process that somebody that's not involved or understand has because of so uh, mainstream media. So he's like, "Isn't that thing going to zero? Isn't it like this thing that's like bad and it's used for nefarious activities?" Like, well, no, because of this, this, and that. Is like, well, but is any of the big guys getting involved, like Warren Buffett and stuff? Well, I said, well, Warren Buffett talks bad about it. But yet he's invested in in Nubank, and then the other barber was like, "Oh, that's my bank in Brazil, really?" And then yeah, it just it was a really funny conversation. But all to say that um, they they're not directly tied, but their investments are. So if they're against it or don't believe in it, then why would they be investing in it indirectly, but still have some kind of connection to it? And of course, billionaires who have been extremely successful in the fiat system are going to have some sort of a bias towards the fiat system, right? They're not going to want retail shifting into these decentralized assets like Bitcoin when they can hedge against things like the dollar. I'd like to kick it to Gonzo before we hop into our next article. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's funny because you said it's not artificial gold, right? You're right. It's not. It's better than gold, right? It's a network. So um, it's, we've talked about this before. It's an asset that you just have to remember your seed phrases. You can put in your pocket and it's the first time you could ever take your wealth and take it with you, right? Like you could have um, millions of dollars in gold, but that's going to be very hard to transport. So in that way, I think it's better than gold, right? 
Yeah, and you can transfer that value cross-border instantaneously. No institutions needed, right? Like, what are me and Gonzo going to meet up? He's If he's halfway across the country, we're going to drive to each other and hand each other gold <laughs> bars. No, I'll just send <laughs> some Bitcoin, and we can get rid of all that uh, unnecessary traveling and unnecessary expenses. So we'll hop into our next article for the day, which is the Bitcoin price nears 41000 as U.S. inflation jumps to 8.5%. We've been talking about watching if we're going to go into a period of hyperinflation and we have some quotes from ADA founder Charles Hodgkin saying we're doing exactly that. But this article makes some great points. The United States inflation grew to a 40-year record, people. We haven't experienced anything like this since the 1980s. 1982 was the last time we experienced something even similar to these rates. And we've already surpassed where we were back then. Gasoline prices have increased 18.3%, while energy prices as a whole are up above 32%. Since February of last year, these are huge numbers, guys. We want to keep a two to three percent inflation rate, and right now we're looking at 18 to 32 percent. When Japan was experiencing hyperinflation back in the 90s, they typically had about a 20 percent inflation rate, and we're sitting at 8.5 percent, and it's steadily increasing. So, this is something we're going to be watching and covering going forward because it's so important. But the U.S. inflation rate came above market expectations and surpassed the 8.4 percent level. Seen in 1982, I know that nobody here was participating in the market. We don't have Johnny Crypto on today, so we can't get any experience from the 1980s. Just kidding. I'll work with Johnny Crypto. He knows that. But what I do want to hear is what are some of your thoughts on hyperinflation and what we can expect from the crypto markets as a response to this 8.5% inflation rate? We'll start off with Jackie. Yeah, I I mean, we, we've talked about this a little bit before. You know, this is kind of the only way to offset all that you know all the money printing and stuff that went on is is to increase increase interest rates um so we we were kind of expecting this um as far as the timeline that's kind of what everyone's questioning and things like that but i don't know guys i it's definitely going to get worse before it gets better in my opinion um and just with everything that's gone on all the other things as well as far as oil prices gas prices things like that those are definitely going to take a toll as well um I, gosh, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see how this is going to affect the market because I don't think we've ever really been in a time like this with, with I mean, with the past history that we have of, of Bitcoin charts and things like that, we've never really coupled it with the stuff that's kind of going on right now because it's, you know, it hasn't been around since the 80s, 90s, those price or those um, percentage ranges that we're talking about that were back then Bitcoin wasn't around then. So it is kind of interesting to see how that's going to play out with this market. Um, needless to say, all things are tied together and there is an agenda behind everything. So it's kind of, it's kind of playing two sides of the coin watching and then also trying to plan and strategically move with the whales in that, in that regard. I don't know. I'm so young. I just don't, I don't know what to do. I follow my colleagues. No. <laughs> well, you are young, Jackie. So I'm with you there. But at the same time, the number one thing that people can be doing during times of rapid inflation is owning actual assets or investing in companies that are going to generate additional revenue. The worst thing you can be holding during times of inflation is cash, right? So that's one thing that we obviously know. And there's one thing I want to point out before we kick it to Gonzo here. It's that energy prices rose 32% over the last year's while the food index saw the largest one-year increase since May of 1981, food prices are up just below 9% on the year. I think this is humongous. One of the biggest expenses I have is gasoline and food besides my rent. Those are the two biggest expenses. 
and both of them are up massively in the past year. So I'd like to kick it to Gonzo here. What are some of your thoughts? Um, yeah, well, so when you look at that kind of, first of all, I think it could be even higher, right? The CPI. And you can see uh, as we're moving up to this announcement is probably why we got some of that um, price action yesterday with the, with the drop in prices, right? Um, and so the way things are looking right now, we still have to see, it looks like we're heading towards a recession. Now, the last time we were in a recession was in 2008. And since I'm older than you guys, I was around for that, right? And um, what came of that recession was Bitcoin, was cryptocurrency, right? It was created for situations like this. So it's going to be very interesting to see, like Jackie was like saying, um, now we have this, right? It came out of the 2008 situation, this was created, and now we have it implemented. So we'll see what happens. But I have a feeling that, um, you know, as inflation goes up, like you're saying, abs, people are going to move to assets and an asset that people can afford because not everyone can afford to buy houses or the more expensive stuff. But what you can invest in is cryptocurrencies, right? We know that this is why it was created. One of the reasons why it was created, it was a hedge against inflation. And we've seen some of that. I'd like to kick it to Mario here. But before we do, can you share my screen really quick? I want to show the people the charts of how the market reacted to the news of inflation. We got bullish, bullish action. It's exactly what Gonzo said. Assets went up as inflation goes up. So we'll kick it to Mario here. Yeah. Well, I just I have two very quick comments. Number one, I thought it was transitory. Number two, <laughs> it's 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 yeah, not even <laughs> well, that's what I heard. That's yeah, what yeah, I heard yeah. from 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 our government that it was transitory, number yeah. one. And number two, it's not even accurate. That number is nowhere near accurate. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm no expert, but I really feel, you know, from, from me personally, and we were just, you know, uh, we were just talking about the food and, 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 and gasoline. I think some of those things are not even included in the way that they, that they come up with these numbers. So I definitely feel like it's way more than that. For me yep. personally, I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, it feels like it's way more than 8.5%. I think you're correct, Mario. I even saw a quote earlier today where it said that that's not the true inflation rate. That's just a specific yeah. set of assets that they, that they have chosen. And gasoline and the housing market are not included in that basket of assets. And those are some of the biggest things that have experienced price appreciation yeah. during this time of inflation. I just have one small comment to add to Gonzo. Um it, it makes me think of, gosh, who was it when we had when we had David I come and talk to the Academy? Um, the biggest driver of of mass adoption is fear. Right. And he was talking about that. So, I mean, all this stuff that's coming out, you guys definitely like I, it, it just is a constant reminder. You know, everyone is so absorbed in the numbers. And I really think that that's why. Um, so many politicians and, and government bodies use numbers and they just spit numbers out, out the yin yang is because numbers are confusing. People don't understand numbers, but when someone spits out a number, they sound like they know what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. So people are going to listen to that, but the biggest driver behind those numbers is fear. So when people hear these high numbers and people, you know, Oh my gosh, you know, it's, I don't know. All of that together kind of ties in and helps drive that narrative of fear that gets people scared. But it also, you know, they flock to whatever um, the narrative is. So in order to bring about mass adoption to Bitcoin, blockchain, things like that, I that is that has to be the main driving force of the mass is fear behind it. So people will move over to the new system. 
I totally agree. And the White House even came out yesterday and said that we're going to experience extraordinary levels of inflation going forward. And that's what they're planning on. So we have a short clip here. I'd love to play. It's just a minute long and then we'll get some comments. Here we go. The actions we've taken to address uh, Putin, the Putin price hike, we are in a better place than we were last month. Um, but we expect March CPA, CPI headline inflation to be extraordinarily elevated due to Putin's price hike. And we expect a large difference between core and headline inflation reflecting the global disruptions in energy and food markets. So I have a quick comment before I let this clip play is that we've experienced, I saw a chart earlier, 90% of inflation happened before the war even began taking place. So they're going to blame Putin for a lot of this inflation, but that's just a figurehead. It's actually the U.S. government. We'll continue here. Core inflation doesn't include energy and food prices. Uh, Headline inflation does. And of course, we know that core inflation, you know, energy, the impact of energy, of course, on oil prices, gas prices, we expect that to uh, continue to reflect what we've seen uh, the increases be over the course of this invasion. And just as an example, since President Putin's military buildup accelerated in January, average gas prices are up more than 80 cents. Most of the increase in, uh, occurred in the month of March, and at times gas prices were more than a dollar above pre-invasion level. So that roughly 25% increase in gas prices will drive tomorrow's inflation reading. And certainly it's not a surprise to us, but we certainly think it will be reflected. So there's a couple of comments I have here before I kick it around the group. But one of the things that she points out is that we're dependent on the Putin's oil, right? Will that move happen strategically over years of the U.S. not buying in, not creating pipelines? And I don't want to get too political here because I know this is a very left versus right conversation. But there's just matter of fact, we do not have the necessary resources to put the oil in place in America. We need to go to outside sources such as Saudi Arabia and Russia because we haven't taken that initiative on ourselves. So I'd like to go to Gonzo here. What are some of your thoughts overall on that whole speech? Uh, I just think it's it's hilarious, right? So it has nothing to do with like the government and all the missteps that they've made. It has to do with Putin and then the invasion, right? So basically they're inferring that if it wasn't for the war, then we wouldn't have inflation, right? That we wouldn't have a problem. And it's just and it's just hilarious, you know, to see that. But, you know, I've said this before. Um, the whole reason, the whole purpose of cryptocurrency is not just um, a hedge against inflation, but it's a hedge against the government doing stupid shit. And the government is always doing stupid shit. Well, what's the value of the U.S. dollar come from, right? It's a it's a government-backed currency. It's supposed to be that the U.S. government isn't going anywhere. We have the Federal Reserve. These are stable institutions, and these are the most trustworthy institutions in the world. And that's why their currency is the most valuable. But over these last two years, we've seen a rapid deflation in how much not only people trust the government and what's going on, but also how aware people are of what the Federal Reserve actually does. I feel like just four or five years ago, the average retail investor had no idea how the money process worked, but now being surrounded by so many crypto-minded people, that's one of the most fundamental advantages to the crypto market as opposed to the fiat system we have now is that it's not centralized, it's not controlled, and we actually get to pick the winners and losers through the market as opposed to the to the government presenting us and saying, this is the winner and that is the loser. So I'd like to go to Jackie next. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually really like that comment that you guys had um, put up on the screen earlier, left, left, right, just different, just different wings of the same bird, brother. That's a great comment. Um, and that's so true. You know, they, they, that's, that's a huge tactic that they use is division. So a lot of people, you know, they'll, they'll claim the left, they'll claim the right. Um, when, yeah, they're both, uh, corrupt as hell. So I, I definitely agree with both comments that you guys were making. Um, 
it's just it's just another narrative. They're on to the next story. Um, and they got to They got to point the finger. Right. It's never it's never their fault. It's always it's always Putin. It's always someone else. So <laughs> it's just it's like funny. my little brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. But if you guys are enjoying this content, please show us some love and smash that like button. We've got all the social medias for everyone here besides Jackie link below. So if you're looking for more access to us, the best place to do that is at the 3T Warrior Academy. But if you're looking to just share a tweet or a private conversation, you can follow all of us on Twitter and we will get back with you, especially if you interact with our 3T GM crypto account where we're on that on a daily basis, updating you guys. I'd like to get some closing comments from Mario here because he's the one who showed me this clip in the first place. What are some of your thoughts, Mario? Well, my main thought is that it's, it's, it's actually very sad that this is the kind of information that the government is feeding to people because, you know, those that, those that kind of understand, you know, you don't have to be an expert, you know, we don't claim to be experts, but we see these things and we look at the data and we look at the numbers. And just like you mentioned, there's a chart that shows the inflation and 90 of it, 90% of it was caused during the, the Biden administration. And of course, we're living in these times. And so if if a government, if if economy is doing well, then whoever's in government takes the takes the the glory. If if the economy is doing bad, then whoever's in, in the government takes the fault, right? And so he takes the fault for the fact that inflation is doing what it's doing. But the, the fact that they come on camera and and, and call it a Putin uh, inflation or a Putin-driven um, scenario. It's just, it's like, it's like we just mentioned, it's like kids like pointing the blame. Like when you're pointing a finger, you got three fingers pointed back at you. So that's beautiful. That's like my dad used to say to me, actually, which is funny, (laughs) but I don't know if there's any other comments. I'd like to leave the floor open here. If not, we can just continue going. I'm seeing shaking heads. So we'll hop into our next article. March of 2022 saw over 20 Bitcoin ATM installations daily happen globally. So 686 Bitcoin ATMs were installed in in March of 2022. And now the total number of global crypto ATMs is at 36,733 ATMs worldwide. 22 Bitcoin ATMs were being installed daily. I know that my parents own a small business and I actually preached to them that maybe this is something they should look into. There were some hurdles involved, so it didn't come to fruition. But what's so interesting about this article is that the United States holds most of the Bitcoin ATMs with 32,500 of the 37,000 being in the United States. The four countries that follow were Canada, Spain, El Salvador, and Poland. Very interesting global adoption taking place with Bitcoin here. And I'm looking forward to seeing more and more of these going forward. I remember in July of 2021, when we were in Vegas, I saw my first Bitcoin ATM in a casino. I thought it was super interesting. I think I even bought like $40 just, just to test out the machine, which was pretty cool. But I'd like to hear from you guys. Do you think this is a big deal or is this more of just a background story? Because I think it could speak to some of the bigger adoption that's taking place. We'll start off with Mario. Yeah, it's funny because I, I, in 2017, when I first got into crypto, I actually wanted to get, so I, I own a couple of small uh, retail stores, uh, brick and mortar stores. So I actually wanted to get some of these. And at the time, it was only because I was so into crypto and I was just like, this thing is amazing. I just want to get like a, a, a BTM, they call it a Bitcoin machine uh, ATM yeah. and um, more recently as I've seen that that more and more I, I've been seeing these more and more pop up in like um, I've seen them just at random places gas stations uh, pharmacies a whole bunch of different places and I actually started looking into it a couple of weeks ago um, just haven't pulled the trigger there's a couple of options you can either buy one or or uh, or lease one just like you would with a regular ATM but it, it's interesting. It just adds more. Well, number one, it adds more um, 
uh, visual so people see it more often. They're seeing the Bitcoin brand being spread out more. So it kind of adds credibility, especially when you're seeing it in some of the most popular. I think we've seen that Walmart was adding a whole bunch of these. So that adds credibility and adoption to it. But but yeah, it's interesting. It's nice to see that US is is picking up on this. Um, yep. And it's another story of adoption. We saw Strike allowing Bitcoin payments in Walmart, Chipotle, Whole Foods, Starbucks. All these different outlets are going to be accepting Bitcoin now. Like I keep saying, I'm not sure who's going to want to spend their Bitcoin, but now they will have that opportunity. And this is another way for maybe maybe people to have an easier entry into the market. They see a crypto ATM, they get familiar and they say, maybe I'll throw 40 bucks in that thing. And that's how they enter the market. And then the snowball begins rolling and they get more and more into crypto. I'd like to go to Gonzo there. Yeah, um, I think it just makes uh, crypto more mainstream, right? It falls into that narrative. Um, and I think what makes it uh, popular is that you don't have to KYC, if I'm not mistaken, you don't have yeah. to KYC. And so yep. a lot of people um, don't like the exchanges because they're starting to move towards that. And so this is a way for them to still be able to buy some Bitcoin. But I also think it goes into that whole thing of the bankless, right? Because there are some people that don't have like the normal bank accounts, right? Or maybe they don't have um, uh, an ID for different reasons. And so this is a way for them to still be able to invest. Um, but yeah, it goes into the total all narrative of what we've been talking about since the beginning of cryptocurrency uh, becoming mainstream and being um, a hedge against inflation and a store of wealth. So we'll go to the prettiest person on the chat. Now we'll kick it to Jackie. That's a reference to this comment right here, which I think is awesome. So we'll go to Jackie. What are some of your thoughts on the Bitcoin ATMs? I thought you were going back to Mario. <laughs> no, well, thank, thank you. you. I'm flattered. <laughs> I'd go Thanks, Gonzo, thanks actually. Justin. I picked Gonzo. Gonzo is actually the second prettiest, but that's just my opinion. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing Mario. <laughs> I actually, I had a question. I think, is, isn't that so interesting that the most, um, the most ATMs are in, or the, yeah, the most Bitcoin ATMs are in the U.S.? Yeah. Why I I don't understand why there's no Asian country in the top of that list. Isn't that isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, that is really interesting. Is. That was the first thing that struck me because I mean, yeah, I don't know. That is very interesting that China or Japan aren't in that at all. Um, but yeah, I I I've never used one of these ATMs. I'm actually kind of curious how this works. As far as maybe this will take longer than just a simple answer, but how does this work as far as like custodianship of your bitcoin like if someone if someone went on to this atm to buy bitcoin or ethereum right how does that work to where they have the custody how without having a key to receive anything i think you get a qr code I, I mean like i said i've never used one but uh one time i was in the store and i saw a guy was using it so i was kind of hovering over him to see what he was doing but then it got a little bit weird like, why are you watching me bro right? so i had to leave but i, I swear i saw maybe a qr code so we definitely should go check one of these out hey, maybe when we're in arizona all together for the conference right we can go check out a uh a, a bitcoin atm maybe we can buy some bitcoin and we can make a video out of it <laughs> and that, my other thing that kind of crossed my mind, these are like kind of like the new lottery machines, honestly, because you don't know what price you're buying at, right? Just buying at this ATM. Nobody knows what price it's actually buying at. Right. So they might be buying at a high and then all of a sudden the next day, you know, their their investment like tanks. <laughs> it's like the new lottery machine. That's so funny. <laughs> or they could be charging them like a huge fee or something, right? right? Who knows? Yeah, I believe that. I've never used one myself, but when I was researching it, um, you uh, most of them, you do have to 
do some kind of KYC like on the spot. So you do have to scan like your driver's license or some kind of oh, ID, okay. valid ID. And then the way it, the way it works is uh, it's it's through QR codes. You're right, Gonzo. So like if you're buying if you're buying Bitcoin, then you would deposit the cash into the machine. And then the machine has a camera. So you would scan the QR code of your wallet and then the Bitcoin would get sent over to your wallet. If you're doing the opposite where you're selling Bitcoin, then obviously the opposite is going to be it's going to happen where you're going to be um, selecting the, the amount that you're you're trying to sell. And then you send over your Bitcoin, you scan the QR code that it gives you on the screen, you send the, the, the Bitcoin and then you get the cash. Uh, but I believe that there is a KYC process. You do have to like put in all your information and scan a document. Uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty compliant as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I did not know that because I thought you didn't have to KYC. So that's good to know. Is it though? Is it though, Mario, um, equivalent to buying Bitcoin on like Robinhood, or is it equivalent to actually buying from a crypto exchange? It's almost like buying from a crypto exchange. Yeah, it's okay. uh, you're not going to get like really good rates because obviously they're making money off of it. So right. you're going to end up paying a little bit more for your Bitcoin, or you're going to end up selling it for a little bit less than than what it's worth. Um, so that's how they make their money just based out of fees. And obviously the transaction is not going to be, uh, the same thing as going to a centralized exchange and putting in a limit order. But for those people that are looking to make like quick deposits, quick withdrawals, I guess that's what you would use it for. And it's kind of similar to what you said earlier, Mario, where it's people who are becoming more and more familiar with Bitcoin. When me and Jackie were in Miami, we got off our, the airplane and Bitcoin and crypto exchanges were on every post in the airport. Maybe you can speak a little bit to that, Jackie. Yeah, I, I have a couple videos. We should actually post those on Good Morning Crypto because there's one that's kind of funny. But yes. I, as soon as I got off, because I, I live in Arizona and you don't see that at all. Hardly anybody knows what crypto is. I mean, a lot of people have heard of Bitcoin, obviously, and Dogecoin. That's usually the two that most people hold if they do hold any. Um, but getting off the plane, I mean, I was I was struck. There was so many. I mean, seriously, every pillar showed a bitcoin um advertisement um and and obviously it was the week just before the bitcoin conference in miami um so they were they were putting out a lot of advertisement for that but it was every pillar had plastered anything about bitcoin um a lot of stuff about crypto.com crypto.com man i i'm shocked that they're still at the price that they're at below 50 cents um that thing I, that thing has to boom soon because they're everywhere. Like everywhere you look, they're just behind scenes out in front everywhere. Yeah. They have the best marketing in the industry, no doubt. And when they bought the Lakers, I think it was the Staples center mm -hmm. uh, back in mm -hmm. November, that was huge for me. Very telling that it's just going to be continued to be promoted. And they're actually partnered with the UFC. So they're taking on some of the NBA basketball fans. They're getting some of the fight fans. And what's really interesting about the UFC is that it's global. Whereas the NBA is typically more American centric. I mean, the UFC is universal. They go to Dubai, they go to Asia, they go to Europe, they go to America. There's no borders when it comes to fighting because everybody can understand punching someone in the face. So we'll kick it to Gonzo and then we'll head into our <laughs> next article. You know, I, when you guys bring up crypto.com, I just kind of had a question to put out to you guys because many of you guys know. Uh, we know how um, crypto.com coin started, right? And now they've changed it to Kronos. Um, and then as, um, do they have plans to start their own blockchain so that almost that it would be like BNB? You know, like Binance, and then then they created the Binance Smart Chain, and then now you use that, right? Is that what the plan is with Kronos? Is to to like so it, it won't be just like the value, right? So I could see. Just imagine if, um, and, and I think they do a way better job of marketing and running Crypto.com, right? 
than Binance does, but just look at the price appreciation from uh, BNB with the way they run their company. And then now look at crypto.com. And that just gives you an idea, not to go FOMO in to Kronos, but um, if you think about how they run their company and all the advertising and the things they do, um, it does make you real bullish on Kronos. If especially that's what they're going to do. And it's going to be what they use for their ecosystem. Hey, and Gonzo, what's your favorite? Oh, sorry. Go, go yeah. No, that's okay, Mario. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, you were asking the question, Gonzo, if they're their own blockchain. What's the, what's the blockchain or the project that you're super excited about for the future that you're accumulating? Uh, for the future? Yeah, um, that project that uh, Salman talks about a lot and so does Andrew. Oh, Cosmos. <laughs> right. Cosmos? So Kronos. Yeah, Cosmos. Kronos. Yeah. Kronos is built from the Cosmos SDK. They're they're oh, a okay. Cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. They're a Cosmos. Uh, so they're yeah. Kronos is its own blockchain, and things can be built on top of that blockchain. So you could see things like, you know, app, DApps, and Dex's stuff being built from from the Kronos ecosystem. Yeah. That's I did, awesome. I've heard you guys say that before. Now, now I remember <laughs> because we talk about so many different things. Like you have to absorb it all. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's my probably most um, most consecutive or most not dedicated, but I like every paycheck consistent. I buy from Cosmos and I, consistent. There it goes. Yeah. It's my most consistent DCA strategy. Buy Kepler wallet stake every nice. two weeks. Beautiful. You heard it here, folks. Buy stake. I can't remember what he said in between <laughs> that. So, <laughs> But we're going to hop into our next article for the day where we have a Cardano article. ADA wallets reported a pro, I don't know how to say that word, a 1600% growth in 2022. This pro is huge, guys. 186,000 wallets existed at the end in December of 2020. And in March of 2022, we had 3.2 million wallets on the Cardano blockchain. This is huge. We're seeing continued adoption of Cardano, and they are the leading platform when it comes to developers. So they aren't really focused on the price. And there was even a quote in this article where they said, developers do not care about the price. The growth of interest has been similar for both institutions and retail buyers on the Cardano platform specifically. But there was another quote I wanted to mention before I kick it around the group here. It says, as we approach closer and closer to hyperinflation, it used to be millions, then it was billions, and now it's trillions, said Charles Hodgkins. We are going into a zone where the dollar is becoming less and less valuable. We have hundreds of billionaires existing, whereas just 20 years ago, if you were a billionaire, you were like one of a dozen, right? So we'll kick it to Mario here. What are some of your thoughts on the adoption of the Cardano blockchain? It just makes me feel really confused. I mean, confused in the sense of like, you start, you see all these different blockchains which um, that are being developed and all the development that's going around Ethereum, Cardano, uh, Cosmos. And I, the reason why I say confused is because it makes it really hard for me to know where to invest. It's like you see all the potential from all these different projects, right? You see the potential from Cardano. You see the, you see the numbers, you see the data, you see that it's the blockchain with the most development and then you look at cosmos and you see how they're looking to just create this ecosystem and enter uh connectivity between blockchains and that makes you bullish so you're like okay let me go to cosmos and then you just have to split your money but it, it becomes really hard i guess that this is like a race and i guess we could see it uh we could compare this to like to the dot-com era where you just saw all these different companies sort of racing towards the same goal and that's what's happening within the blockchain it's really hard to determine which one is going to be the winner you can sort of 
you can sort of determine by by seeing where the institutions and the big guys are kind of putting their money into right exactly. we see a lot of that connected connected to ethereum so even though we think ethereum is falling behind everything all the data points towards ethereum not falling behind and being the ultimate winner because of the institutions and the big players that are backing it but at the same time you're seeing projects like cardano that are that have this huge potential and have so much development and it just it get as an investor it gets confusing that's what i'm trying to say so i guess just split your your investment into three or into four or into some of these projects just don't over diversify but have some exposure into these into these different uh projects i would say and i know gonzo has a ton of ethereum experience so i'd like to hear some of his thoughts there but it's really interesting to me as we see guys like or sorry not guys institutions like grayscale and hsbc they're investing in polka dot cardano and solana those are the big three that have been emerging over the past couple months and of course those are some of the largest competitors to Ethereum. So Gonzo, what do you think this means for the markets as a whole as we start to see DeFi diversify into all these different projects and institutions not just saying, okay, Ethereum's the winner, we've chosen that one, but we like ADA, we like Solana, we like Polkadot, and we're going to start putting money there for our clients. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I think that uh, Mario brings up a good point because um, like we're all real big into XRP, right? A lot of us, a majority of our holdings is in XRP, but it's important to diversify. Right. Because I don't think there's going to be one winner. There's going to be a few winners. So you don't want to over diversify. But like when we're talking about layer ones and Ethereum and Cardano, Solana, all these, um, you want to make sure that, you, you know, that you have some exposure to some of them. Because um, I think that we're going to live in a world that is blockchain agnostic. Right. Um, and that you're going to have multiple. Right. Um, blockchains that that are there in the end. Right. As far as Cardano. We, I wish, you know, Johnny's probably so happy right now while he's watching this because he loves his Cardano, right? Um, yeah. But I'm not surprised yeah. because we always knew that the Cardano community was super, super strong and it was huge. And so we just needed the technology to catch up. And that's what you're seeing, right? First, they had the smart contracts. They're building the decks, right? I, I can see why the wallets have grown so much because the NFT space in Cardano is growing, right? And there's a lot of value that's starting to come to the NFT space. And the next phase that they're rolling out is DeFi, right? So you're going to see those wallets go up even more. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it's tough. Like, you know, I did a whole bunch of research on uh, on ETH and what they're doing, if they can pull off. Um, and I think they're going to pull off the merge and proof of stake along with the layer twos working together. They're going to be huge, right? But I don't think it's just going to be them. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, you got to look at the team and you got to look at the technology and what it does. Um, and I do think that, you know, Cardano is going to be one of these ones that's going to be around. But it's just a matter of, um, you know, doing your own research, um, seeing if if what you're finding resonates with you. Right. And if you believe in it and then invest in it, because if you don't believe or if you don't do your own research and you're just listening to some influencer or you're just listening to what we're saying, uh, when things get tough or you get um, uh, market correction, you're going to panic sell because you don't believe in the project, right? And that's how you get wrecked because you're gonna panic sell. And then what's gonna happen two or three weeks later, the price is gonna go up and then you're gonna like, oh, why'd I do that? And then you're gonna buy when it's high and you're gonna get into this vicious cycle. And that's why we always tell people, you know, do your own research and then see what project resonates with you. And if you truly believe in it, then come up with your investment thesis and invest in it. And the more that you believe in it, the more that you're gonna stick by it when times get tough, right? 
Uh, but I, I do think that it's going to be a multi-chain world, right? And that they're going to be, that are some that are going to be more that have to do with certain aspects like the medical field or shipping and receiving. And there's going to be some that have to do with the financial system. Um, so it's going to be um, a whole variety of them. So it's just a matter of, you know, picking the right ones. And that's the whole game, right? And if you guys are enjoying this content, please show us some love and smash that like button. If you want more of any of us from Jackie DeGonzo, Andrew Cashflow, the node defender, Mr. Johnny Crypto himself, the best place to do that is at the 3T Warrior Academy. That's where you're going to get access to all of us. That's where we put all of our time and most of our effort. And we love all of our listeners. So please go and check that out. We really think that could add some value. But I loved what Gonzo said there, that we're going into a market that's going to be totally decentralized. There's not going to be this one chosen winner, right? It's going to be totally different projects taking over different sectors. And there's going to be plenty of opportunity for everyone to get in early and make money on this growth that's going to take place. We'll get some closing comments from Jackie and then we'll continue to our next article. Yeah, that was a point that I wanted to hit as well. Um, the multi-chain aspect. Uh, that's I, it's, it's kind of easy to see that coming just because of... And I'm, let me see how I'm going to phrase this. I mean, a lot of these blockchains, you know, not being as further developed as Ethereum right now, when they when they take on the load that they do, we do see a lot of, um, you know, network uh, shutdowns, things like that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of um, hiccups, congestion, congestion. Yes, that's the word. Thank you. A lot of hiccups, congestion um, on the networks, and so that's why I think. I, I believe that same narrative multi-chain is going to come into play just, just to spread that across, you know, cause I don't, there's not one blockchain that's going to be able to overload everything. I yeah. mean, from, from right now, right. Cause we're just, it's so new. It's we're in an infant space, infant of technology in this, in this realm. Um, so yeah, I definitely believe that narrative as well. That was a good point. Yep. And we have more institutional adoption taking place. We're going to hop into our next article where it goes a spot crypto ETF would speed advisor allocation. So they're talking about how a spot ETF would allow for investment advisors to put more of their clients money into a fund like this. Nearly nine out of 10 financial advisors investing in crypto expect to increase their allocations over the next year. And through the approval of a spot crypto ETF would help speed that adoption going forward. 86% plan to boost their allocations in the space over the next 12 months, while none of the participants who were surveyed said that they would be decreasing their crypto holdings. So very, very bullish news there. We have 72% of financial advisors would be more likely to invest clients' assets in crypto if a spot ETF existed. But the Securities and Exchange Commission has not approved a product like this, and 31% of respondents find it unlikely that a product will be like this will be approved this year. We're waiting to see approval take place somewhere around mid-2023, so about 15 months away from where we are today. And half of all the advisors investing in crypto are allocating in Bitcoin future ETFs, so a way worse product than what we're talking about when we have a spot ETF. Gonzo, maybe you can explain some of the differences and what your thoughts are on institutions wanting this stuff. Well, you know what? I think we've come a long way when it comes to institutional investments, right? And I think that all came about from them seeing that, you know, this narrative was changing that, you know, crypto is not going to zero. It's not for nefarious reasons. You have the customers probably that wanted exposure. And so because they're in the business of making money, they had to give their customers exposures, right? The article talks about um, 6%. I think it's going to go up higher, right? Um, and as far as the futures ETF, I think the minute that the SEC approved the um, futures ETF, they put themselves on a clock, right? Because now 
what, what's the justification for not authorizing the spot ETF? And, you know, the people that are in that world, like Raul Paul, think that's going to happen sooner than later. I know the article talks about 2023. I think if that is really going to happen, like if they start talking about that, they're not going to approve it till next year, you're going to see one of these financial institutions probably sue the SEC, right? Because the minute that they approve the futures, there's no reason to not have the spot ETF, right? And so, um, but we have come a long way. I think the other interesting part about the article is that these guys are starting to invest in this world. But I think the statistic was that only 10% of them have any knowledge when it comes to crypto. So those are just like opportunities to be able to educate people. Like if you're in this space and, and you become um, an expert at this, there are definitely opportunities as mainstream get comes into the space. If you're an expert in the field, um, you're definitely going to have opportunities out there. So just something to think about. And so one third of registered investment advisors are currently using crypto and reportedly of that one third, they allocate about 6% of their clients funds into the crypto market without a spot ETF, without being able to directly purchase these assets. And my microphone keeps falling. So if you see me catching this thing, that's what I'm doing. But only 10% of advisors say that they are very knowledgeable about crypto. So we see that not only do they not really have that education and background on the crypto space, but over these next five to 10 years, we're going to see a new set of registered investment advisors with plenty of crypto experience being more than willing to not only put their clients' money in this, but allocate higher levels of exposure within this market. So I'd like to go to Mario next. What are some of your thoughts? I think that more and more we're going to see just people wanting exposure to the crypto market. And there's going to be more and more pressure for towards financial advisors to, to be able to start offering these things. And I, it's just... It's, it's really weird to to see all the things that are coming out of the SEC, like from the Ripple case um, to a lot of the things that Gary Gensler says. You know, last year he was saying that all cryptos are securities, even even stable coins. Now all of a sudden he's saying that he's willing to work with the T CFTC because some cryptos are actually not securities, and the ones that aren't will be regulated by the CFTC, and the ones that are he will regulate. So it's just nothing makes sense out of the SEC. And maybe we'll see the Ripple case being a catalyst for for a change. So what I mean is maybe we'll see the Ripple case come to a resolution, whatever it is, and then the Bitcoin ETF and, and possibly other crypto ETFs. That's just what I'm thinking. So the NASDAQ launched its crypto index in February of 2021, but that crypto index was 67% Bitcoin and 30% Ethereum. That means they took eight other currencies and gave them basically less than half a percent allocation within that fund. And so it's very interesting to see that the crypto market as a whole has evolved into shifting away from just Bitcoin and Ethereum. But now these banks and institutions are so far behind that they're just getting into Bitcoin. They're just getting into Ethereum. And we're seeing countries around the world grow and adopt way faster than the United States. Jackie, can we get some comments from you? Yeah, I think, I mean, from that, from that perspective, um, Obviously, they're going to go with a more sure asset, so they are going to keep a lot more Bitcoin, a lot more Ethereum in their portfolios. Um, but that is interesting, that um, statistic about allocating into eight other crypto assets. I would not have thought about that. I'm interested to know what those other eight are. Um, that's something to look into, obviously. Uh, if if you're looking to invest and stuff like that, see what those are. Um, but that is, you know, that's kind of trickling down that mainstream adoption uh, to other to other cryptos as well. Other cryptos that are going to last longer um, in the space. So that's kind of unique. 
So I actually did a little bit of research. I'm going strictly off memory here, but a couple of weeks ago, I did deep dive into what those other currencies were. And it was Cosmos, Solana, uh, Matic, um, Cardano, and Stellar. And there were two other, I just can't remember, but those are the five that come to mind that I can remember. So that is really important. I probably should have pulled that up and I will keep updating people on what they're putting in these funds. Because I think that's what's most important going yeah. forward. We have some really quick news here. Justin, Robinhood lists Shiba Inu, Solana, Polygon, and Compound on their platform. I don't even want to get comments from the group here, but I thought it was pretty <laughs> cool. And we actually saw... What? Sorry, guys. We actually saw Shiba Inu. I hate Robinhood. not Shiba anymore. Yeah, we actually it. saw Shiba Inu up 20% on the day after this news came out. So people were pretty excited. For me, listen, to the moon, as they say, nothing's changed. <laughs> Is crypto a haven for corrupt countries? The IMF believes so. We only have a couple minutes here, but I really wanted to get some comments from the group. The IMF is attacking cryptocurrencies, saying it's only used for nefarious activity. Nothing new here, but I'd like to read some quotes that they put out where it said, given the rapid increase in macroeconomic relevance of crypto assets, it is, is that this evidence adds to the case for regulating crypto usage. For example, requiring people to, to implement KYC procedures. Nothing new here, guys. I don't think there's anything groundbreaking, but it is interesting. They continue to push the KYC narrative. They continue to push the nefarious activity narrative. Let's kick it to Gonzo first. What do you think? Well, it was funny. Like, if you read it, what it talks about is, so they made this correlation with countries that have high inflation, corrupt government, and capital control. They found that there is more cryptocurrencies used, right? And so, but they're saying it's for nefarious reasons because of people don't want to KYC. But we see it different. Of course, you're going to see more people using cryptocurrency, especially if your government is corrupt, right? Especially if you have super high inflation, that you're moving towards that asset to hedge against it. So it's funny that they made this negative correlation when, when we're in the space, we know exactly why. And it has nothing to do with the nefarious part, right? It's just that new narrative, right? First, it's like, you know, money on the dark web. And then it was money laundering, supporting terrorism. And then as those things get disproved, and uh, the popularity or um, cryptocurrency becomes more mainstream and fights those narratives. Um, this is just, you know, just another one. And I'd like to make a quick comment because somebody thought I was serious about Shiba Inu going to the moon, guys. I am actually joking. I do not hold very much Shiba Inu. I bought $200 Shiba Inu just so I could place bets on this show and take some of Mario's money, but we'll yeah. kick it to Mario right now. What are some of your thoughts? <laughs> well, about that article, just, listen to don't listen to what they say look at what they do that that's all i can say about it and i do want to give a quick shout out before we wrap this up i do want to give a quick shout out to two of my friends george and natalia for getting me the shirt crypto dad so for those of <laughs> you that and a big shout out to everybody in the in the audience if you're a crypto dad then you're just you're just like any other dad except smarter Nice. And oh. honestly, I think there's no better way to end the podcast than that statement right there. So I want to say thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Jackie. And thank you to the Node Defender. I always have a pleasure recording you guys. And we're going to continue bringing our listeners the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics on a daily basis. So I want to say thank you to all of our listeners. And we will see you tomorrow with Showtime. And it's like we always say, Warriors, rise. rise. Get your kids together, baby. Together. Thank you for joining us today. Thank <laughs> you.